covering all your favorite parts of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast with Zach Heilman and Jim Bernier. Welcome in fans of the 50-yard fight. This is the Inside the Walls podcast. Zach Heilman alongside with my co-host and good buddy, Jim Mernier here for another edition of the show and our last edition that is technically in the regular season as we are coming into the NAL championship just around the bend as we're recording. It's only a few days away for Jim and I Uh, plenty of exciting action took place last weekend, which we will get to for those that are listening to this. We are going to be doing a two-parter for this show. We'll focus on both championship teams for this week so if you're listening to this first one trust me there'll be a second one coming up immediately after it the day after this one drops so be sure to uh, keep an eye on our social media as well as on your favorite podcast platform for that which by the way you can follow us at at in walls pod again that is at in walls pod on facebook instagram and twitter to keep up with us and any episodes that drop but let's get into this thing here Uh, End of season really is upon us with the championship game and also with end of season comes awards and also all team honors have been released Uh, with those episodes. By the way, we're going to do a split with those two. We're going to start out with the second team announcements here and how that is all structured. Uh, Jim, let's look at this here. Second team, all NAL was released along with first team and of course the uh, season awards for individual performances. Uh, second, all second team, all NAL first thing comes off to me and you, when we were discussing before the show, plenty of Columbus lions making the second team really, it feels like it's uh kind of a Columbus Lions show with just, uh, other, other excellent talents of the league speckled in. Yeah. And that's what you give for a team that they are this year. Uh, they're in the championship game. They went six and two in the regular season, Reed Hanley took care of Orlando last, last week. And. They're very well represented in um, both first and second teams, but most importantly here in the second team. So, uh, but there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of people out in the NAL universe or message boards have already, you know, they've made a complaint known to the league already about a certain member on this second team. Um, but you, you, first thing you first, you guys say congratulations to these individuals and these guys uh, for completing the season and then getting this achievement. Um, awards award, you have to put that in your resume. And sometimes it doesn't matter what league you're in. It's always good to have it. Yeah. I mean, you get to take that home with you, you know, you get to put that in your stats column and you get to, uh, you know, use that for, you know, just kind of a little more appeal. You know, if you want to move on past the NAL, you know, or Hey, if you want to, you know, stick around in the league as well. And, you know, especially if you're, technically a rookie in here if you're you know trying to negotiate with a different team well you can take that as you will uh looking at the list you know we're talking you mentioned uh, at least uh one player that did get kind of talked about as much you know and i was i was kind of surprised i mean i was kind of surprised at least that he was second team to a degree although i understand the decision between the two as we'll spoil one of these first team selections and I didn't think I was going to be talking about this one. Uh, Craig Peterson, uh, some people were a little stirred up that Craig the Leg landed on the second team all NAL special teams list. Uh, TC Stevens, for those that are wondering, it, from Carolina Cobras, he is on the first team, which you can make a solid argument based on just how 
dominant he was to the end of the season in that rally and you know even still pretty consistent before then uh you know jimmy look look at the kick the kickers i mean do you think that's a reason for people to be upset i know like we we're talking it's something to take home you know second second team doesn't land as much as first team but you know some people are bringing up stats some people were bringing up you know that the consistency of you know all season versus the end of the season you know does it even matter uh, actually it doesn't um for voting wise it's it's it happens in every single league honestly it's just not in the NAL sometimes even though the most consistent player deserves the award sometimes the award goes to the highest player at the right time mm-hmm. and T.C. Stevens, who is the first team uh, kicker, was basically automatic, not just for field goals, not for extra points, but for deuces. He was a key reason. He was one of the key reasons the Carolina Cobras made it this far and made it to the postseason, especially in the second half. Peterson, yes, good leg. He had a great first half of the season, kind of. He didn't he didn't stumble. I'm just saying he still had a great second half of their the season. It was just that he missed a couple of extra points. He missed a couple of kicks. Um, and it just, it was almost, in my opinion, I think it was rewarded to Stevens based on his recent performance and how hot he was at the end of the year. Yes, I think that helped a lot. And again, as I, as I stressed, and you, you know, Craig was excellent. You know, it still is, still is, argue, you can argue the best kicker in the NAL. Um, I think that's a solid argument. You know, TC Stevens was dominating beyond belief, just how he was able. I mean, it almost felt like he was part of the reason that, that they Cobras willed themselves back into that fourth seed bid at the end of the year uh, really was just deuce after deuce after deuce. It seemed in that league in at least in that three to four game stretch to end the season. And, you know, some people, if you talk, if you talk about at least uh, noticing people, uh, generally it's, you'll remember things better with events that happen towards the end of something or that rather than the beginning. So who, as you're putting your point, Jim, who's the hottest kicker right now? Right now it'd be be TC Stevens. It's TC Stevens. So, you know, you put that in perspective and he had, and put in the rest of the season saying, well, he was pretty consistent too. Odds are that's probably what the voting went to. So, you know, I w- I'll say that for those, for at least for the Albany fans that were arguing that, I get it. Uh, however, just look at just look at what Stevens did. There's a solid argument for a one-two. They could be interchangeable, but I mean, just for the fact that a kicker himself is part of the reason why Carolina even got to this point. That's pretty impressive. So gonna gonna have to say i have no i know no problems with that and that's the only one i'm gonna spoil from the first team discussions i know you can look them up by now if you're listening in but i don't want to dive too much in the first team we have a whole other show we're gonna release on friday with that uh so i will leave it to there one thing i will say jim the hot it seemed the most hotly contested position on the on this list um and i'm not surprised just because of how, how arena league is i really felt the receiver spot this year kind of was wide open you know, I mean, yeah. look, I mean, just look at the second team alone. Like Lonnie Outlaw is on the second team out of this. How yeah. crazy is that to think about for being the number one for Mason Espinosa? Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing how he is a second team. And 
And he's what, oh, excuse me, he was the number one receiver in Columbus since uh, the Loach went down. So he was Mason's main target. But he still had a great year. And I think out of the receivers that you, we, we're, if, you, if we talk about the first team, we're not mentioning players yet. That'll be on the next episode. Mm-hmm. He's that guy who just missed the final three. And honestly, the six receivers, the, the three receivers in both first and second team, they deserve it. Uh, every single one of them. Oh, yeah. um, Devin Wilson, the other one from Jacksonville, I've seen a lot of people on the NA board saying why he doesn't deserve to be on the second team. He's played he he played in Jacksonville. He played with three to four different quarterbacks, and he's still in the top four in the receiving yards for uh, for a wide receiver in the NAL. That tells you that he was the main guy in Jacksonville. And for uh, Ronnie, for a lot of excuse me, almost said uh, a wrong person. Um, but for uh, Outlaw, he was a key component of why Mason has won some individual awards so far this year. He's a key component why Columbus is 6-2, and two, and they're 60 minutes away of being a champion if they defeat the Albany Empire on Saturday. He, in my opinion, had a – I think he – I don't want to say he's, he's over underrated, I think he's more. He was more overlooked, and if yeah. you took Lonnie Outlaw out of the Columbus's offense, their offense is struggling because that man was just jumping over everybody. He, he there's a couple of plays he did against the Jersey Flight earlier in the year. You're like, what? Well, <laughs> well it happens when you're almost seven foot tall. You, a five ten defender can't get to you. Right, um, but right. It, it's just, it was a, it's a I think he, honestly, for me, we still have to do our vote later in our own special show and next week in our awards. I think he's he's right. He's at the right position. But I will, if it, if he was in the, in the first team, I, again, I'll say that he deserves it. Um, but he, in my opinion, Honestly, babe, if you look at the stats, and because of Mason, he is the third best receiver in the National Arena League this year. And unfortunately, sometimes it's like how TC Stevens is. It's how you, how hot are you at the, se- in the second half of the year, and that's how you get your votes. And mm-hmm. being a sec, being a second team, still pretty good. Oh yeah, just saying, just saying. Yeah, I mean, the, it's for six teams together and being second team. It's it was highly. All these positions are going to be highly contested. You know it. Less space for movement and, you know, less space to, I would say, to stand out when you ha- can have guys that are able to be more consistent, have a consistent talent pool between mm-hmm. six teams. Uh, I will I will say uh, in terms of outlaw, I feel like Antoine Grant's rise second half of the year, you know, now and this not taking away from outlaw, but, you know, Grant got a little more under himself as the season mm-hmm. progressed, definitely became a number two, sometimes was a number one on some nights. So yeah. that also, of course, might've hindered a little bit, not saying, and again, outlaws a great talent. The size the man has when they face off against Albany yeah. in the championship game, that's going to be something to have to handle once more. So, uh, you know, man's played a heck of a year uh, to end and this. Al- con- I was going to say, and also we forgot about laughing house who we've right. just missed. He had a hell of a year too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, Warren Smith's main guy over there in Jersey. So not saying that, you know, these, 
the six guys who got the awards, first and second team, they they're they deserve it because there's players that just missed out that you look at who missed, you're like, oh wow, he missed a team, and just based on their performance and just to close, like you said, close it out. It's it's strange and it's again it's sad that we only had eight games to determine this, but when you think of all the NAL players that played this year and for the for their teams to get awards like Dangerfield didn't get a didn't get a nominee he didn't make it and he had a hell of a year that's weird to think about you know Antoine Grant didn't get it the Loach didn't get it Phil Barnett not in either Phil Barnett not in there Malachi Jones not in there there's still you made the list and you still have four to five more guys behind that that deserve to be on the list too. And so that just, when you look at the list of Stafford, like, man, this guy doesn't deserve to be there. They were good. And there's still five or six more players out there that are just as good as them. It's just, A, they didn't play enough games, or B, they didn't catch on fire at the right time. And like what you said about Antoine Grant, I guarantee he would have been the first or second team if he may have had maybe another two games under his belt. Possible. Um, but but he's he's been he's been Mason's number one weapon here for the last couple of weeks, and yeah, he's he's not stubborn to me. I think he if there was a NAL third team, he's on that. I think uh, uh, Dangerfield's on that list, and I think Malachi Jones is on that list. Yeah. Um, so it's it's they were in a game because it's a passing league. You got so many receivers that deserve to be on the list. It's only just two teams to put people on there. But yeah. Yep. Short talent, small role. Small, small town pool, but a very talented pool of players that you have to have to divulge from, of course. And, and to wrap things up here, just for those that you know want the list right now or haven't seen it yet, here's the list that I'm going to name off here. Uh, starting offense first, defense, and with special teams. Uh, quarterback in the second team, Tommy Grady from the Albany Empire. Your fullback selection was Corey Crawford from the Columbus Lions. The three receivers, Lonnie Outlaw from the Columbus Islands, Tyron Laughinghouse from the Jersey Flight, Devin Wilson from the Jacksonville Sharks. Your line choices, the two outside linemen, I were out, at, yeah, outside linemen. I'm going to just call it that. I know it, you can call, some have mentioned tackles on the broadcast, but they have they have a just offensive line or outside line. Uh, outside linemen, Keith Newell and Jabari Buckley. Uh, Newell from Jersey Flight, Buckley from the Jacksonville Sharks, and center Jacoby Smith from the Jersey Flight makes the all-arena second-team selection for the O-line. On the defensive side, looking at defensive line, uh, two de- outside defensive linemen, you have, Har- you have Harold Brantley from the Albany Empire, Zach Brown from the Jacksonville Sharks on the opposite side, and the nose tackle, Jonathan Taylor from the Sharks, anchoring the middle. Linebacking core, Kawan Alfred from the Columbus Lions. Actually, it's an all-Columbus Lions linebacking core, just to show you how good that was. Uh, that has the Jack linebacker selection was Lenroy Naismith. So, quite you know, you, as we're talking the best defense in the league, uh, Columbus really kind of takes the cake with that as all around. Because uh, some of these guys in that excellent defense are on the first team that we'll mention in a later episode. Uh, finishing up for the defensive backs, you have Kenny Veal, Josh Jenkins, and Tevin Homer. Veal for the Sharks, Jenkins for the Predators, Homer for the Carolina Cobras, and then your second team, all NAL special teams. As we mentioned, Craig Peterson for the Albany Empire, kick returner Desmond Reese for the Columbus Lions. 
So congratulations, um, gentlemen, uh, for a successful season. Um, and to all the other players out there, keep doing what you're doing. We loved it. We loved your competition this year um, and a game that should everyone should love in the arena football. But, yeah, good list. A lot of people question about the quarterback scenario, but we'll have that discussion when we talk about the first team um, because we also have awards that are coming, too, um, from the NAL. So, That's yeah, right. it's a great way. So I think we got to talk about our theme to this week. Uh, excuse me, this episode. Yes, we do. As the second team quarterback of Tommy Grady and his Albany Empire did take on the Carolina Cobras that was at the Times Union Center this past Saturday for the ability and chance to have a home championship game twice in the last three years between, of course, the Arena Football League and now would be in the National Arena League. Carolina Cobras were coming in as the hottest team in the NAL uh, for our discussion last week, we actually split the vote a little bit. Um, well, and turns out, you know, that was a hotly contested game. I would say going into the third um, Cobra stuck with the empire for the most part. Uh, it's just that, well, if you look on paper and as if we've talked about it on paper with Albany, kind of hard to get over the amount of veteran talent and even hall of fame talent that is on this empire roster Carolina, I just don't, I didn't think, I think just didn't have enough here to really hang with the Empire, which, for being honest, the only one that in the league that kind of has shown that they can hang tough with them, unless you catch them on a bad night, you know, Jacksonville fans out there. Uh, well, that's Columbus. And Carolina, you know, made its adjustments, got to the playoffs, just not enough, uh, at least not enough uh, third quarter on after Carolina came back, was down just six picked off Tommy Grady or they got a pick off Tommy Grady that helped lead to cutting the deficit to a 41 35. But uh, as we'll hear on the interview that we, that I had with coach Tom and Nas, Tom wasn't uh, exactly worried about that at that stretch in the game. He wasn't. No, hmm. no, he was uh, not. That, that just shows you that he had a confidence in this team. Mm-hmm. Um, First off, congratulations to the Caroline Cobras for a, it's just a season that just turned around on the dime around the week five of the year. They made some moves to get assets to make this push. And with the combination of both playoff games happening at the same time, a lot of flip, uh, flipping back and forth was occurring. And I'm not taking a shot at Albany. I know what's going on, but I was personally disappointed in the crowd uh, for the game. I thought something was going to be a little bit better. Hopefully this week is much better, seeing it is the championship game. But besides from that, congratulations to the Albany Empire, making it to the NAL championship first year. Uh, you guys have a squad. Just going to say you guys have an AFL squad. But when you look at on the field this past week, the Carolina Cobras, just like they did in week two or week three when they went up there, they just ran out of the gas against the Albany Empire. And it was just two mistakes that happened for the uh, Cobras. Uh, Aiken had a big pick six that flipped the game around. And there was a key turnover and downs deep in, the, in Albany's territory 
And then the next play, I think it was like two plays later, it was a touchdown to Prince. Yep. Um, it was Carolina wasn't out of the game. Carolina was standing toe to toe with the Albany Empire all the way to halftime. And then just, it just slipped away from them. And usually I, from just watching other sporting leagues and watching the NFL and college, the underdogs usually always fight the toughest in the first half. And if you keep the game close enough, the underdogs have a, you know, they start to believe in that they can win the game. And Columbus, excuse me, Albany, you started to feel that early in the first, the second half, like Carolina's still in it, what's going to happen. And then you get the turnovers that happen, the turnover downs, and all of a sudden it was a three, uh, almost a three score lead. And it, then it just started getting comfortable for Albany. Albany, you could tell Albany wasn't threatened by their lead, how they were playing. Um, their game plan really changed in the late in the second half, mainly late third quarter, where they were just playing conservative but still scoring. They weren't playing prevent defense. And for Carolina, like they they made the first half, they were like, oh wow, it looks like there's gonna be an upset here. They had they came out with some spunk and they just it was turnovers killed them and at around halftime period. And they just couldn't, you know, get anything going. But one thing Caroline did do that was kind of impressive because it is an arena. No matter what crowd, what size crowds in the arena, indoors, it gets loud. They did get the Albany fans out of the game early. Unfortunately, it was just a matter of time for the Albany Empire to catch fire, use the momentum in that building, and start scoring big bulk. Uh, Bunch loads of points, unanswered points that Carolina couldn't keep up. And that's what the turn of the tide happened. And the the close note for this last game, uh, for this past game for Carolina, good season, um, good rebound. You guys shut us up a couple of times. I picked you guys to win this game, unfortunately. Um, Tommy Grady must have heard the uh the interview, must have heard the episode and shut me up this time. <laughs> uh, um but Overall, it was an exciting game. Both games early were intriguing and interesting. It was just when you were in the fourth quarter, it was you knew the outcome. It was like, okay, the games are over. Everyone's already tweeting about the championship game next week. We have owners already talking about the championship game next week. Uh, and then the, the outcomes happened. Then for over overall, performance wise, it was a it was a playoff battle in the first half, in my opinion, for both teams. Mm -hmm. It just in the second half, you could just tell that Albany had the more superior athletes and the experience and put playing in the playoff scenario. Even though this is their first year in the NEL, those players on that roster have been in Washington. They've been in Baltimore. They've been on the road in postseason games, especially Tommy Grady. He's won the AFL. He's won the NAL championship. He's won AFL titles. He's a, he's a champion, so he's been in tough arenas. He has that playoff experience, so that would then phase him. If you look on the side of Carolina, they have a, they have a lot of guys that have NAL and AFL experience with the Blackjacks and with the Soul, but it just – you could tell on both sides of football one team wasn't experienced enough in the postseason to make the big plays to help your team win. 
Albany has that experience. They proved it on last Saturday night, and that's why they're they're victorious, and they're playing for an NAL championship this week. Yep. Definitely have all the tools necessary to play in the championship game. And, you know, it was shown here in Carolina. You know, one there are two instances I felt in the game where Carolina kind of, you felt like maybe they were either out or this was, you know, there was no return. Uh, early in the second quarter, or at least mid-second quarter, you have, you know, Albany go up for the first time, which Carolina had been able to, as in many arena games, you have to play the possession game and you want to be able to go score for score or eventually steal possession back. Well, as we, as we saw, at least in the second quarter, they did stop Albany on a fourth down. However, Carolina could have taken it, could have taken it a score, could have gone a score ahead. They then got stopped on their own fourth down conversion, which then led to an all Albany going up by six. Then, then that of course lands that goes into a bit of a landslide when you have that Malik Brown interception return for a touchdown. You're up two possessions now. Credit, you got to give you got to give Carolina's defense for hanging in there and giving that giving a little bit of hope at the at least in the third quarter there. Uh, special thanks to Herbert Waters of the Carolina Cobras for getting an interception in the red zone off of Tommy Grady did lead as I mentioned to cutting the deficit to six points, which. A little more manageable, but still you're behind a touchdown on the game. And with the arena, it's much easier. It's just that Albany, I think at that point, after they got down six again, they just like with with at least how Tommy Grady, I imagine how he commands that offense, they just decided to slam the gas and not even mess around anymore. Yeah. Uh, because right after that, you know, Philip Barnett just went to town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> next next two chances they got, he was just he was going to town. And really he played outstanding uh you look at the passing attack for albany and credit i'm going off the nal stats i know that they aren't as accurate although this week they did much better uh it looks like with stat tracking uh for the most part all three receivers equal numbers across the board distribution pretty equal you know all targets were involved uh phil barnett had two more yards than malachi jones or darius prince but he had them he had three touchdowns so Really great night out of him. Uh, made some excellent plays out there. All I mean, all three of those receivers are outstanding. And then, of course, Jer- and Jeremy Richardson, being the later season addition, he has balanced attack. He's made that a very balanced attack. Uh, it's just hard to stop him, man. It's like you it's, said, Jim, it's it, just hard to stop it, anything. It's hard to stop him, and it's – when I was watching this game and I saw the score at six points, I'm like, oh, Carolina has it. They just need either not just a key stop. They need to show me if they can slow down Albany's offense after they got the pick six and the and not pick six with the turnover and the quick score to get it down to us. It was a pick six, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it was a pick six. Yeah, what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, Malik Brown pick six. Yeah, Malik mm-hmm. Brown did pick six. You see, you hear that, ladies and gentlemen? Yep, that's my thoughts. Went right above my head. Um, but literally the next possession, they had – I think they missed a deuce because I know they were attempting a deuce. And I was like, you know what, Carolina, they, let's see if they can – if they give up a touchdown, okay, you're going to give up a touchdown to Arena football. It's only 25 yards, or in this case it was only – it was 30 yards from the end zone. And so let's see if they can, you know – you know, put Albany in, you know, third and long or fourth and long scenario. Let's see if they have fight. Let's see if the momentum came back in. Like two plays later, Albany scores. I'm like, yeah. well, Albany still has the momentum. And 
And after that, that's when Barnett sold going off. And one thing I noticed in this game, you mentioned it, uh, the distribution of Tommy Grady. He didn't have a favorite receiver. Everyone got the ball. And when he's playing like that, that means you're not getting to him. And one yes. thing I've no- one thing I noticed, Carolina was not even getting in that backfield. And you got to give credit to the offensive line. They kept Tommy Grady on his feet. And he tore up Carolina's defense. And you expect that from a very veteran quarterback who's played this game and in is in the arena league for 15-plus years now. So uh, he did what it is, and he he's he should go down. If you want to compare him to, like, NFL type of legends, he should be the Peyton Manning of the arena league. A couple mm-hmm. titles, all the records, but he's not the greatest of them all. Uh, I think a lot of people debate that it is Aaron, Aaron Garcia, um, even though he has only one title, but he has, you know, the records on his side are like ridiculous. Um, but in this game, you got to give credit. And the question, like people have mentioned, actually, someone asked me on my personal Facebook account about my opinions about what Grady's future going to be like. Is this it? Will he come back next year? I don't know. He's mid 30s. He's he's staying healthy. He's not being on the ground. Right. It's like I, I talk to Tom Brady. Why is he playing all the time? Because his offensive line keeps him afeet. Why is Peyton Man retired? Because he kept getting hit, and the offensive line didn't keep him safe. <laughs> so if Tommy Grady, whatever he does in the future, that's the future. He that was a Tommy Grady this week that I remember that you remember that any arena football fan knows when he is on, no one's beating him. And that's because of him. And you got to give credit to Manas, uh, setting up the game plan, and the offensive coordinator, you know, finding ways to attack Carolina's defense. And like my coach said in high school, you can't kill them with one bomb. You got to keep scratching them until they bleed out slowly. And that's what Albany did. I know that's a gruesome analogy, but that's what my coach said back in high school. Can't beat him with a 60-yard bomb, but you know what? You nickel and dime him down the field and it keeps scoring. It just kills them slowly. And so that's what Albany did. They did take a couple of deep shots, but they once they knew they were comfortably in the lead, they went to that conservative mode, and they knew that they were in the championship game when their owner is saying, uh, get your uh, championship tickets uh, for the game halfway through the fourth quarter. <laughs> the game, <laughs> you know, the game, you know, the game is settled. Um, oh, man. They, but, they've been, I mean, they've had some, They've obviously had some uh, promises to fans and bets in their own organization on getting here. So, you know, might as well keep the swagger up going into the next one, right? Yeah. Also, Albany fans, if you're listening to this, go call Rabbit. Get your get your tickets now. Um, that's their ticket guy. I forgot his name, but they gave him the name Rabbit. And I you mean, guarantee you, you mean Radar, right? Radar. Yeah, Radar. There you go. And I, gar- and I guarantee you, they have no idea. He has no idea who Radar is. So call Radar, get your tickets, go pack out the Times Union Center, support the Radio Football, support the league. Uh, it's championship Saturday, so only one game's being on tonight or on, on Saturday night on YouTube. So get your tickets, support the league. It's going to be fun. I'm looking Wear forward your mask. to it. Oh, yeah. But have, <laughs> <laughs> keep keep with the policies out there, folks. Just, just saying. Uh, although it is full capacity, so that, that's nice to know, too. Uh, so any anyone, you're welcome to come out, welcome out there. I, w- I Me and Jim wish we could be out there, you know, 
we'll get that chance some some days. It's is only it a twenty five and a half hour drive from me. Yeah, I, won't and, even, I won't even mention mine. Yours is just sounds more ridiculous. <laughs> and there's no direct flights from here to Albany. I have to fly to either Baltimore or New York or Boston and then take a puddle jumper. Those little sardine can aircraft I can't stand. Yeah, but knowing you, you'd rather drive or ride a train, you know. Yeah, train would be like 50 hours though. But yeah, I'm good point. You'll have to knock me out with a sledgehammer, maybe put me under uh for anesthesia to put me on the aircraft. Uh yes, ladies and gentlemen, I am terrified of flying. Um, so I'll be the I'll be the John Madden of the National Arena League because John Madden didn't like to fly, so he took his bus everywhere. So if I want to go on location at one of these games, I'm driving my happy behind there. I'm looking forward to it when we get that chance. Uh, we will break down how the keys of the game for the Albany Empire. But first, with the championship series that we have decided to have for this week, we have split the teams up and also have split interviews. Uh, as you might have heard me hint, talking about the Albany Empire's victory over Carolina, I was able to sit down and have a conversation with head coach Tom Manas once again, talking about that matchup with Carolina, the preparations, what the keys to what he feels the keys to the game or what to look out for against Columbus will be, and at least preparation for hosting a championship once again in Albany once more. So without further ado, sit back and enjoy my conversation. Join me solo on this edition of the NAL Championship Series, focusing on this episode with the Albany Empire. We couldn't be happier to be joined by Albany Empire head coach Tom Manas. Tom, thank you very much for joining us today and joining the show once again in very quick succession here. Uh, I We had a sneaky suspicion you guys would be at this stage in the NAL season, and well, I call it manifest destiny. Here you are. Congratulations, first off, on the championship, Bert. Second off, how, how's the team doing right now? I mean, it's one week away. You got Columbus for the third time this season. You know, that's quite a test for three times to beat a team. It, it really is. First of all, thanks for having me back on. Appreciate it. And um, to your listeners, um, thank you. Um, and now, as far as playing Columbus the third time, yeah, it's, it's always difficult to beat any team three times um, uh, because uh, you, you pretty much know each other's tendencies by then. There's really no surprises. There's, you know, there's very little you can do uh, from the last playoff game to this week. There's not a two-week span. It's, you know, you're playing again in six, seven days. So the preparation's pretty much the same. Which, to be quite honest with you, I kind of like because Columbus is a good football team, um, and I think we're a pretty good football team, and I think it'll make for an exciting game. Just uh, the two top teams in the league going at it, which is what I think any league hopes for, right? Um, you know, and that uh, it merits uh, a game, you know, uh, as opposed to somebody sneaking in and. You know, not that if I was sneaking in, I wouldn't be the guy touting that. But uh, I, I think one and two playing each other is a, a pretty good national championship game. Yeah, and I think I think for the terms of fans, and especially myself and Jim, uh, Jim couldn't be with us for this interview. Uh, he will be doing solo with Coach Gibson if, for those listening in now. But you know, for all of us talking on here, you know, 
but you two, the battles you that Columbus and Albany had this season, you know, really came down to either just a few plays or, you know, they were really good matches, you know, in overall out of regular season play. So this just seems to fit the bill for what everyone I think expects when you want to have a championship year. And especially for how crazy the year's been, it's it's great to see that we're at this point. Uh, before we before I ask you for a preview, let's just take a step back at Carolina here. Uh, Carolina coming in, in my opinion, was the hottest team in the NAL uh, in terms of just how everything was retooled. Coach Resinalo was getting things in order and made it quite a game there for at least three quarters, it seemed. Uh, how Describe how much of a different team this was compared to your week one victory that you guys had when you hosted them in Albany then, or week two. Yeah, we. I think the first time we played them, we scored 80 points on them. Um, this time, not so many points, but I think we played probably a better football game. Um, so the, um, yeah, I mean, coach did a nice job getting his team, you know, um, into the playoffs. He really did. And uh, my hat's off to him for that. Uh, I think that... Um, you know, I've been in that position before, and I think he's probably thinking, boy, if the season was only five more games, mm-hmm. the role we were on, we, we might be in a better position. But um, these condensed seasons, these short seasons because of the COVID uh, epidemic and and that created, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I said to the owners early on, I said, you know, it's the team that comes out 3-0 and is going to win this thing. Right. Because it's going to be so hard to catch them, you know, uh, once they get momentum, when you're only playing, you know, eight games, it's going to be a really tough thing to do. And and I think that that probably was ultimately the downfall of a couple of franchises this year is they just got slow starts. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, that was something we were worried Carolina wasn't going to be anywhere near this point. And, you know, luckily, uh as we had our conversation with coach Rez last week, right. uh, you know, retools and just kind of learning from your learning what you needed on at the end, you know, helped out a lot. So, you know, made for, made for a decent semifinals matchup, you know, East in Albany, and now you get to host in Albany as well. Um, one of the things I know you were, you, you and the ownership had made bet had made bets on getting the championship game. Now you're here <laughs> now, now you're hoping to finish off what you started, you know, one last Saturday coming up here that you're going to be facing, you know, the Columbus Lions who have really, I think for the most part played you guys the closest, if not for that one loss we talked previously about with Jacksonville. Uh, What makes, um, I think there's, there's obviously some pieces that make Columbus really dangerous, but what makes them dangerous for you guys that you, you have to look out for them in particular playing them uh, and what you have to identify that keep to keep you guys ahead of the loop in terms of, uh, you know, possessions or downs. Cause this is a very, in terms of explosive offenses, it's kind of a yin and yang between you two uh, in terms of that or a one and two in terms of how well they each of you punch uh, in your in terms of your weapons and such. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, you try to break it down by, you know, segment it and say, OK, how does our line compare to their D line? How does our wide receivers compare to their DBs? You know, and you look at it and, you know, smaller compartmentalized ways um and that helps you develop a game plan for the week um i don't know how how would i put this that doesn't come off sounding condescending um oh. 
<laughs> I just, I just like who we are. You know, I, I think we're, um, I think we're a really good football team that hasn't played their best football yet. And I think, like I said early on, I believe that you don't want to peak in July. You don't want to peak the first week in the playoffs. You want to peak on August 14th. I think we're very close to having that mindset. If we do that, um, I feel pretty good about our chances. Um, you know, yeah, they, they have a lot of, you know, they have some offensive threats. They have some defensive threats. I think they have the number one defense. We have the number one offense. Mm-hmm. Um, that in itself makes for a good game, right? Right. Uh, I was asked earlier today, you know, how do you stop Espinoza, who's had a great season? And, you know, I made a comment uh, that I shared with um, somebody else. And I said, well, it's really hard to throw the ball if you're on your back. Right. So I I challenge our defense to put pressure on him and make him have to, um, you know, do what he does uh, with a little bit of pressure. And then on the same breath, I challenge our offense to give Tommy the time to do what he needs to do. I really think it's going to come down to the big guys, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. I mean, you know, we can make it about receivers and quarterbacks and all that, but none of those guys can do anything if the opposing big men are playing well. So uh, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be broken down to offense and defensive lines this game and special teams, of course. Oh yes. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely are knocking or nailing on the head. I think in terms of at least the special teams there, you know, Darius Prince has come on strong for most part all season for you guys, you know, and you just took on arguably the best return in the league in Kendrick Ings just last week. So, you know, you're well experienced with having to deal, deal with any of those issues in kit terms of kickoffs and such uh, when needed. Uh, You know, last matchup was interesting. You really came down to a few fourth down stops that really turned the course of that game. So just to show, just to show you, just to talk you and others about how much arena football is just based on just one or two of those possessions that, you know, if you can get just the possession uh, turnover ratio in the right direction. Yeah. I don't count touchdowns. I count stops. Mm -hmm. That to me is, you know, the cornerstone of arena football um, in general is that, you know, you can, um, you know, the game was designed for you to go out there and score every time you have possession uh, with whatever team you're on, right? Sure. So the idea was uh, back in the day when scores were, you know, 90 to 80 and 70 to 60 and, you know, all those kinds of things, it was designed so every team had a possession and scored, and then the teams that won had maybe that extra stop. Okay. And so, um, you know, I, I, I try to get the, the defense with the mindset, if you get three – four stops and a half. If you can get three stops and a half, three stops in the second half, you'll win. You'll win every time. You'll win the game. Mm-hmm. And um, that has nothing to do with the offense whatsoever. No matter how many touchdowns we score or whatever, it won't matter because if you just do your stops, there's no way they can win because those stops burn clock and they burn time and, you know, they burn opportunity and, uh, that's 
what you want to do is you want them to have a possession where they use, let's say, four minutes of the clock and come away empty. And then you come out and you score in a minute and a half. Mm -hmm. And then by the time they come back, even if they score again and you score again, you're still going to, that stop made a big difference. So that that's what we're concentrating on this week is with our defense is playing very aggressive, hold nothing back, um, put a lot of pressure on uh, the quarterback, uh, put a lot of pressure on their receivers and uh, make them have to uh, beat us. Describe how the addition of Varmasoni has changed the defense. Cause it, it seems like he has been, ever since you signed him, he has been the de facto lockdown corner for you uh, in right. that secondary. And that's not taken away from anyone on the roster. No, no, it's of just, course it's not. Just, his play is just elevated since he's been signed on to Albany. Well, you know, and that's the thing too, is that, um, that he essentially replaced a rookie. Okay. But a rookie who got us to four and oh, Right. Right. So you can't really um, you can't really fault them. It's just part of my job as a general manager, in addition to being the head coach, is to always be trying to improve, always trying to get a little bit better, um, always having the strongest roster possible, best people available. Mm -hmm. You want to make sure that you try to capture them before someone else does. And Sony is the equivalent of having, uh, he is my Tommy Grady on the defense. Okay. So he controls that whole back end. He is like air traffic control back there. He's telling guys where to go, what to do, what to look for. Um, he's not afraid to jump a ball. He's not afraid to, you know, uh, take a chance to make a big play. Uh, and that comes from veteran leadership. The young guys don't want to ever make mistakes, so they rarely take chances, right? Mm -hmm. The the veterans are savvy enough. They know what they can do, so they're able to do that. And I think that's why he had his interceptions and the things that he's accomplished. But where his his real benefit is, is with guys like um, helping Kenny, Kenneth Magruder, um, you know, helping him be the absolute best he can be by taking away some of the anxieties of where to be, what to do, making adjustments on the fly, doing those things. So he's been critical to that. Yeah. Magruder himself has already been having a stellar season in his own right. So yeah, know, just made first team all in the, that's what I was just about to say. I mean, yeah. you're talking, I mean, we're talking alone, you know, the league, of course, announcing these all, all arena teams, you know, between you and between Albany and Columbus, it's kind of just back and forth now. And I mean, many of the additions, of course, are from, of course, all teams have great stars, but, you know, showing the top two, uh, but yeah, to add to your point, like Magruder, that's what I was about to just to say. I mean, talk about having an ex having a great secondary so far, you know, there's a key piece right there, making all arena first team as it is. Well, yeah. And look, a rookie, then you look at making a rookie for us. And then you look at short, a rookie for us, and, you know, three rookies on our starting defense that all made first-team NAL. Yeah. So, very impressive. You know, I'm really happy for them that they got that recognition. They they deserve it. Right. And everyone everyone on these lists definitely, you know, I, 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 agree, with, I agree with a lot of the selections. I know, uh, I know a few weeks back when we talked, you know, you obviously you, you think of I, I think Tommy Grader is this too. Excellent quarterback, Hall of Famer, 
you know, you put in the show best in the league. Um, I'd say he is the best in the league. I just, he, I, he just it, didn't get an award. Doesn't mean right, that's that, what I was about to say. I just found out funny, you know, but Hey, comes down to, comes down to both of them here on Saturday. Well, speaking of Saturday, well, you know, Albany is going to host the second championship game in three years. Uh, and even that I can kind of argue the caveat of having a year off to, because of COVID issues, you know? So um, what, are, what are some festivities going to be going on in in town? I mean, this this is the big shebang, trying to get well, everyone out as yeah. much as possible. Um, I think starting, you know, this week has been all media, right? It's yeah. I think I've had seven or eight interviews, podcasts, you know, radio shows today. Um, Thursday, we have a press conference at the arena, just us. And then on Saturday morning at 10 a.m., there's um, a joint press conference with Columbus at the Hilton and okay. uh, the hotel. And uh, that will be, um, you know, opening the media. And, and uh, so that'll be an interesting thing. The trophy will be there, you know, and um, we'll be able to field questions accordingly. But so we have that. And then um, we have our our block party, um, which uh, I don't know if people have been following it around the United States, but New York uh, with the COVID restrictions, again, mm. uh, we were one of the few places that stayed open at 100%. So our arena is 100%. They just ask that you wear a mask. Um, and, um, you know, it's the airplane rule. If you're yeah. drinking or eating, you don't have to have the mask on. So let the beer flow and the hot dogs cometh, right? And then you're fine. You don't have to worry about it. But yeah, so we, we're, we're hoping to get a large crowd on Saturday. We have a we have our block party uh, on Saturday that we do. We have a band and, you know, there's festivities. I, I've never been to it because it's right before kickoff. But I hear it's really nice. Um, <laughs> you know, so things like that. And then... Um, that that's pretty much it at this point. You know, the game is the real show. Um, you know, and that's that's what we're hoping happens. That uh, we put on a really good show for the people here nice. in Albany and across the United States that follow us on YouTube too. So that's right. Yep, and you'll be able. That's definitely for sure. Going to be watch that on YouTube as well. I know I'll be tuning in. Jim will be tuning in too. Yep. Uh, and as we've chatted before, I'm definitely going to make making my way at some point out to the Times Union Center. So we'll. We'll yeah, I hope out. you guys do. I hope you come out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a blast. I hope, I hope all, hope all my fans pack it in, you know, uh, again, it's another championship. So, I mean, what perfect excuse to come out for a game, you know, got to root on the home team. Got to get, got to get another banner raised in the rafters. So. You know, you get, you get people who say, um, I, you know, I try not to get too involved with social media, I'm more of a reader than a writer. You know, mm-hmm. I like to just kind of check and see, if there's anything I can, you know, there was a guy online the other day and he was looking for one of our hats and he couldn't find one. And I said, well, I'll get you a hat, you know, and that was like, wow, really? You know, it was one of those deals. <laughs> and I said, that's the kind of stuff I like getting involved in. Right. <laughs> Not these right, right. But um, so when, what had happened was um, when I was reading through here, I, I had read some people complaining about our attendance and um, we had 3,800 at the last game, right? Okay. For for a town that is basically just recovering 
going through COVID. I want to first applaud the fans that do come uh, because we know they have, we know it's been a tough economic year for everybody. We know it's been uh, difficult with um, the information we all get. You know, we're either all going to perish next year or we're going to all be fine, you know, depending on who you read. Sure. Uh, and I, I just uh, applaud these people because our 3,800 sound like 6,000, 7,000 people and they help us. And I'm a big fan of our fans. So when I ask them to make noise, they make noise when, I, you know, they're, they're that great and they've been nothing but supportive. So for someone to say, well, we only had 3,800, um, I think that's pretty close to what everyone else who doesn't have to deal with some of the stuff we have to deal with uh, is doing. So I just encourage all the fans that are listening that if you can't make it, you know, or if you're going to watch it on YouTube, I totally understand if you're out of, but if you can make it, there's nothing like a championship indoor football game. There's nothing like it. Uh, the atmosphere is crazy. Um, you know, the confetti is going to flow. The champagne's going to get popped. It's going to be just like any other championship game you've seen. Uh, but there's nothing like being there and having that fall on you in the process. Well, I do have a good buddy of mine that I work on, that I work on other side projects with by the name of Vince. He will be out there making a trip up there. He's, he's from the East coast already. So he, oh, okay. he's, uh, he's driving up. He's going to be taking pics. I'm going to be probably messaging him as I, as I can to see how that experience is. Sure. Myself. No, it's, it's going to be a blast. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I've coached in, uh, I've been fortunate to coach a few championship games and, um, you know, that's the thing about it is they're, they're, the excitement is just palpable. You know, it's just, mm -hmm. you can't get enough of it. Once you, once you get a taste for it, no other game compares to it. You know, um, your best season game doesn't compare to this. The atmosphere doesn't compare to it. Right. You know, and we've all known coaches and players that have coached or played for, you know, tens you know, five, 10 years, never made the playoffs, never made a championship game, never got a ring. And here we are, right? And we're fortunate enough to have an opportunity to play for one again. Um, yeah, we should, we should really covet this because they don't come around often. I call me clips games. So they okay. come, you know, just like when, if you're going to wait for an eclipse, you're going to be waiting a while, you know, <laughs> but when they come, you should go look at them. So it's kind of the same deal here. When you have a championship in your backyard, you know, get off the couch, come down to the arena, enjoy yourself. It's still very inexpensive, great entertainment. Mm -hmm. so. If 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 NAL's histories in terms of championships pasts brought that I've seen, um, you will definitely get. Uh, I think the largest crowd of the season. Just uh, I believe just, so. Just based on all all the other games. Times Union is going to be definitely rocking <laughs> one I way or another. So. Yeah. I one way so. or another. <laughs> yeah. Right. I think so. For sure. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you my last thing I'll say, and then I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you go for the evening. It's just, I saw, so I love the, uh, there's, there's like two specific fans always come up in these broadcasts. There's one, there's one with the, uh, the cowboy get up that I see a lot in the stands. And then there's another one. He wears uh, like the Bobby Boucher one from Waterboy. 
<laughs> and I, I don't know. I just, they always come up. It's just funny to me as you're talking dedicated people, you know, every game, I imagine they're season ticket holders, but you know, hopefully they don't get lost in the crowd when we see the broadcast. Oh yeah. That'd week. be great. You know, yeah, I haven't seen that one yet, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> well, now, now you need to look out. I'm like, that's what I get yeah. from watching on YouTube. You know, I mean, of course you're focusing on the field. Uh, Coach Manas, thank you for joining. Uh, wish you the best for you. this year's it. NAL championship. You know, uh, it's, it, it's going to be a wild ride. Looking forward to watching. Any, any predictions? Ooh, man. You know what? I think it's going to, I'm going to tell you right now for me, it ha, it's a one score contest. Just the way that you, the way that you, between your, between your squad and how coach Gibson's had those guys playing really tight uh, in Columbus. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, if you want me to make a pick for a winner right now, um, I think I'm going to just side with you guys. I'm going to be honest. Uh, I think one of the key piece, the two key pieces in my, in my mind, really come down to just a few additions you add at the end of the year. Uh, Varmasoni, who I was asking about earlier, and one that I should have asked uh, in a second, but I'll still bring up because it gets plenty of credit, credit is Jeremy Richardson, who has been wonderful at the tailback spot for you guys in, in that need. Uh, already has a player of the week nod to him. Really is at an X factor to your guys' offense, which is kind of weird for me to say, considering that you know, you would think that having Malachi Jones, Prince, and can't forget Barnett as a three-person te- team at that receiving core, the fact that I'm even saying X-Factor is nuts, but Richardson has established the run much better since, the uh, since of course, you guys moved on from Derek Ross. It's, you know, the team feels like it's back to what it was mid-season vibe. It doesn't feel like you're searching for that one missing piece anymore, the thing that, you know, you can tie the whole thing together and be a balanced offense he puts the offense in a balance. So, uh, you know, I think talent wise, as much as both Columbus and Albany are, I would say loaded as a term. Uh, I think the overall group that you guys have and what you've had brought together at the end of the season pushes you over the hump by about a score. I'm even going to say, maybe it comes down to a field goal. Maybe Craig just has to land, has to nail one at the end to just push it over the top. You know, God, don't say that. (laughs) I know you are on kickers, but I'm just telling you, like <laughs> it would just it would just come down to that to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I I hope you're wrong there, but uh, I appreciate I appreciate the nod. Yeah, I'm just you, curious, you know, and you wouldn't I, hurt my feelings either way. I can make you more you nervous. I can say I had to bet you something. That's all. I can so. make you more nervous. I can say it comes down to a deuce. <laughs> oh yeah. <I'll> just, <laughs> Yeah, no, I don't think so. We we definitely don't want it to come down to a deuce. No, that would be horrible after having such a, a fantastic season, you know. Take that take that as you will. Right. <laughs> take that prediction as you will. Yeah, I'm not gonna take it anywhere. Thank you. <laughs> Have a good one. Special thanks once again to Coach Tom Manas of the Albany Empire for joining us for this show. Uh, he had really, I'll be honest, uh, Jim, uh, he had a really tight schedule for doing this episode. Um, been getting a lot of uh, media, of course, media requests because, well, now the Empire, you know, it's in Albany. They were ro- they're a well-respected organization. They're still building up their base again. And, you know, those that remember the, the Empire, they were really well covered in their media. So, I can only imagine he is uh, definitely trying to get as much coverage as he can to get people out to there, which I, like you were talking before we let you guys listen to this conversation. And as Jim mentioned there, 
I this to me has to be the most packed game of the season. It's a championship game. It, it's <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I I would expect it to be that case. I I hope people fill in. You know, I want to see a pack. I want to see a pack times Union Center again. You know, Tom even Coach Manassas even said this in our first discussion where Jim and I were on there. He want he's waiting to see these crowd. He's hoping to see these crowds of you know ten thousand yelling fans. Which you know credit to those have been out there. They've been loud, but this has to be the largest crowd of the season. I'll be really disappointed. Mm-hmm. if they can't draw more than any of their home games this year. Yeah. Uh, uh, and this is not just a, sh- it's not, a, we're not taking a shot at Albany. We're not yes, taking. That's right. That's, uh, right. that's just first foremost. Um, when you have people that comment on the Albany page from their own cities, like I have no idea they were back and fans replying, uh, pe- people on their Facebook page, uh, Facebook pages saying, what we're allowed to be inside of enclosed facility for sports. That just tells me that the mindset in Albany is that majority of the people who are arena fans or who are indoor football fans have no idea that it's going on. And also there's a lot of them are very reluctant to get into the arena because of the current pandemic that we're going on right now. I don't know if it's the COVID that they're worried about or Andrew Cuomo trying to touch them. Um, different. Oh. Um, that, sorry, I had to do that. Oh, <laughs> but, man. Oh, uh, but, <laughs> but uh, um, that's so oh, bad. But anyways, God, but, uh, <laughs> but I think there, I, I have a good feeling there's going to be a lot of people in the crowd. But it just tells me that right now in the situation with COVID, and people really hesitant to get into stadiums right now is a key contributor to most of it because we've seen in the past Albany packing that building out and winning a champion of uh, winning a championship this week will help them in 2022 to get better numbers. Hopefully by then uh, we're out of the pandemic. Hopefully by then we're having eight home game regular seasons instead of four, and they get a, they get enough time in the off season to promote, you know, TV. Uh, commercials or going out in the community and doing their things uh, and get people to activate back into the, the game, then yeah, I think it will prove. Um, but right now, I just still think, besides a little shot about the former governor, uh, I think it's just the uh, COVID situation. It's the big key contributor, and fans are just not ready to get into the building. But I still think it would be one of their bigger crowds this year, of course. It is a championship game. I know Columbus has a couple of people uh, – a few people going up there. I don't know how many, but it, it's a championship game, and I think the NAL will like to have a big crowd there. Uh, you can't have a Jacksonville crowd every single year. That means Jacksonville's in the championship every single year. Not, not everybody's going to like that. Um, but if they can pull off a Orlando-sized crowd like they Orlando did a couple weeks ago, I'll be happy. That's 5,000 yeah. people. Um, and have a good game. And it, I think it's going to be a great game, but I think, like we've mentioned before, especially right now, I think the COVID restrictions or the COVID situation that's happening in our nation and around the world is keeping a lot of fans away from sporting events at this time. That that is a that is a factor, I think, and I think for Albany, we'll I think next year you'll see the response at its finest or at its best as well. And I, I have to bring up in this conversation too, you know, as you're mentioning, some fans didn't realize they're back. Well, I mean, Hey, the empire had a month, maybe with change 
to get ready anyway. So they've been kind of playing catch up in terms of, Hey, we're back. You know, we're, we're here for a whole season in a shortened season. So yeah, they're I, like, Hey, they're like, Hey, we're back. Then the state state of New York's like, no, you're not. We have to pass the rule first. And they were waiting on New York and mm-hmm. New York finally was like, okay, you can have 12% capacity or something like that. Yeah. Um, the start. And that was just enough for them to say, okay, let's get the season going. I, I think with the times unions coverage, and I've seen a lot more posts about Albany fans that were of the eight from the AFL version back in 2019. I've been posting about this week being a championship game again. I think I I'm excited. I think this will be a decent crowd. You know, I think it's going to be a good chance. I think it's gonna be a great championship game anyway, you know, yeah. but I think this will be a good crowd. And I think you're going to be seeing at least for the most part for the times union center this year, it's going to be, it's at, it, at its most shaking uh, That's probably a terrible fr- phrasing of it. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably a terrible phrasing of it, but it'll be at its most rockingest that you'll have seen all season with, you know, at least I think they'll people turn out keys to the game, Jim. We got Columbus coming back in for a third time. They are a hard out for Albany. The previous two times that they have matched up, what is needed to be done for Columbus or for Albany to get that hard third victory against a team is one of the most difficult things to do in football is to beat a team an exact a team that you have beaten twice a third time. We see this all the time in the NFL. So the same rule has to apply here, even in arena football. Yeah. uh, I'm going to say my three keys of the game for an Albany victory is uh, number one, bring the same game plan you did the first time, first two times you played Columbus. Um, They've both worked both times. Um, One thing uh, that, or number two, excuse me, not one thing. My number two key of the game is Malachi Jones, Prince, Barnett got to be, they just not just got to be the main offense. They have to be the ones who spark the offense, catch every ball that's thrown to you, and help Grady. Because unlike Carolina, Columbus's front five can get to a quarterback. Yeah. And they did that a few times in Columbus a couple weeks ago. It's just Columbus. Albany just made a few more defensive stops, and that was a determined factor. If you look at the offensive statistics from the last matchup between these two, you would have looked at those stats and go, wow, Columbus must have won this game by three or four scores, and it was not. Um, number three is very key. I just mentioned it about the defensive line. Offensive line of Albany needs to keep Grady on his feet. If he can keep his fa- keep him on his feet, He's not getting rushed out of the pocket. They're going to win the game. Um, it's very hard with that offense they have. If you're not disrupting Grady, get him out of the pocket, he's going to tear you apart. And unlike Mason Espinoza, Grady's not light on his feet like he used to be. Yeah. And that's what happens for an older quarterback. So three keys of the game, again, Albany's to bring their playbook from the first two games because it's worked. Number two, the receivers need to catch everything that's thrown to them, and they need to get open because they are playing against better defense. And number three, the offensive line needs to keep um, Tommy Grady on his feet yeah. to win the game. 
I think for my three, it pretty much mirrors you to, to the same degree. Uh, number one, keep the, keep Columbus's defense honest, a healthy dose of Jeremy Richardson, at least at the beginning, I think will go a long way. Uh, he, he has been out. I think he's been stellar for them since he's been signed really to me, changed around their offense to be balanced. So, you know, getting him involved early to at least keep that front five honest is going to be essential, especially, you know, again, we're talking about an all an all arena linebacking core. So you're going to have to keep them as well as a secondary that has first and second team, all arena members, in it, the best defense in the NAL. So you have to, you have to be balanced as much as possible. Uh, number two, you know, similar to the second matchup with Columbus, be the more opportuni- opportunistic team. You know, arena is based on who gets usually the most possessions and who has the few defensive stops that matter the most. And one thing that we saw in that matchup with Columbus in Columbus in its second, in its rematch was that Albany was able to get defensive stops when it needed. It held a, it held a first team, at least a first and second, all arenas team oriented offense in Columbus in check uh, and held it them really well on fourth downs. Uh, they went one for five on fourth downs in that matchup. So you want to get something similar there because obviously Mason Espinosa, Lonnie Outlaw, Antoine Grant and company, they, they are very capable of tearing you apart. And I know that, you know, they did sign Varmus Varmasoni to lock down that secondary uh, came Gruber obviously is uh, a all arena player too. That's in that secondary, but you know, they will score points on you. It's just that, this is going to come down to once again, who's going to have those key defensive stops. Uh, number three is just, uh, you know, get a diversified passing attack. I think, you know, I know one thing I noticed with at least the, the loss to Jacksonville that Albany had, I felt like they focused a lot. I mean, they focused a little too much, I would say into Darius Prince. Prince has been the best offensive player in the NAL all season in terms of skill position, but you do you can't always focus into one player in the arena setting. You have to have at least a, a two or three that you're getting involved. And I felt in that game in particular, even with Jones going out with an injury at that time, I didn't think Barnett was really involved as much. I feel like Barnett's kind of the key because Jones and Prince take so much energy to guard that Barnett can kind of sneak away or behind when needed. So number three is just diversify your passing attack make sure that you're keeping that secondary on its toes all the time. Otherwise, if you're having to key in on someone that might be a downfall for the empire. But th- those are p- those are pieces that they have been able to accomplish all season against Columbus. It's just, can they do it again? I agree. Uh, yeah. I have nothing I have nothing negative to say about that. And if you you mentioned how you said that the the Albany's defense has to, you know, make the key stops and key plays. That's true because unlike Carolina, unlike Orlando, unlike anyone else in the league, Columbus has the offense in where they can flip the script on you like they've done everyone else in the league besides Albany. And they can be the one that's up three scores and you're doing catch-up. Columbus has that team. Uh, They have that – they have the quarterback. They have the defense, they have the offense, and they have the coach that does that. That's the, how their team is. And if 
if, if Albany wants to win the championship this week, they have to have the same script against Columbus like they did a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Defensive stops, key situations, shutting down Columbus on long drives, and scoring every time you get the ball. I think I think Albany scored – I think they scored almost every single possession but one, I think, against Columbus a couple weeks ago, and that was a turnover. I'm pretty sure so, that's correct. Um, so yeah, that's that. What you mentioned about the defense. Now we can both agree all of the, all of the keys that we just said about Albany. If they do that, they'll win the championship. But we know very well that all of those keys and aspects that we pick are going to happen because Columbus, on the other hand, they will make adjustments, and they've they've lost twice to this team. So this is not going to be no. In my opinion, it's not going to be no runaway type of game. We'll give you our predictions on the next episode of the championship game, but it's going to be a funny game, and I can't wait. These are the two teams that we said we're going to be here in the beginning of the year. It, like you said, it was in what Manifest Destiny was your saying? That's what I've been calling it. Uh, so Manifest you're Destiny. right. And we're here. Championship game, Albany versus Columbus. So... For Coach Manos, thank you for coming on the show. For any player on the Albany Empire, good luck this week. Championship week. Very excited. Thank you for the great season. Now let's have an awesome championship game this Saturday. Coming up, we'll have more coverage tomorrow or the next episode if you guys are listening to this later than that. And we'll be focusing on the Columbus Lions. We'll actually have an interview with head coach Jason Gibson. So really, don't go away. We have more content it wasn't just an albany show we got columbus for covering too as we continue our nal championship series tomorrow for our friday release of the show until next time folks remember one thing albany it's championship time baby don't be a jack of the box stay tuned folks <laughs> <laughs>